Welcome to 54 Live, your live golf podcast. I am your host, Digsies, and I am joined once again by my buddy, Jake. Jake, what's going on? Life is pretty good in the hood. This has been one heck of a week to remember, guys. Live golf lives on. Let's go. Yes, it was an exciting week. You know, heading into yesterday, we had three big name veterans at the top of the leaderboard Mark Leishman, Sergio Garcia, and Louis Usheisen. And they were tearing up the golf course uh, the first two rounds. I believe they had 18 birdies on Friday, 19 birdies on Saturday, or vice versa. And then come yesterday, other than Usheisen, you know, they, they pretty much shit the bed. They only had 10 birdies between them yesterday. What happened? Well, you know, if you remember watching the first two days, when you play up in, when you play high altitude, higher altitude, there's more opportunity for wind to happen because we're higher off the ground. We're closer to the sky. We are closer to seeing some real wind. And we saw some real wind happen on Sunday. First two days, we had like five miles per hour, six miles per hour, a couple of 20, 10 mile per hour gusts. We had, for the majority of the round, except for the playoff, we had constant 20-mile-an-hour gusts. And so you saw that once you start doing that, man, that's some real golf. That's real golf. Definitely. And honestly, you know, you see like someone like Leishman, he's always been good in in, in the win, but not yesterday, man. Six over for the round. Um, He he definitely didn't bring his A game. Um, And Ripper was right there in third place going into Sunday, and they fell down. They didn't get the podium finish. You know, it, it can happen to the best of us. You can't really get, blame somebody whenever they don't react well to a sudden serious change. We had 20 degrees cooler. I mean, constant winds. When when things happen that are much different in the first two days, it's going to create a different atmosphere. And we saw that on Sunday. And that's why um, the scoring went backwards. We saw a real challenge and real golf was being played that day. Yeah. And we got our third playoff in the Live Golf history, uh, we had Danny Lee, four-man playoff, Danny Lee, Louis Usheisen, Carlos Ortiz, and Brendan Steele. And honestly, I'm going to be the guy to say it. I'm going to be the contrarian here. It was, it's great to get a playoff. You know, you have Louis Usheisen. He's a big star, you know, top three uh, in the majors, three majors last year or the year before, what have you. I believe it was the year before. Um, you have a rising star, Carlos Ortiz, but then you got Danny Lee, who hasn't won since 2015. Brendan Steele only has a few wins on, under his belt. Again, just like Charles Howell III and Mayakoba, lacking star power. And I think that, you know, that's it, it was good golf, great golf, but when you're sitting back on the business perspective, you it would have been a lot better for ratings if it was Cam Smith, DJ Brooks, and Bryson. I mean... Yeah, you, I, I understand what you're saying there, Diggs. I know we're different, but we have differing opinions here, so I'll we, let you we, go with we it. Have, we do have slight differing opinions. I, I believe, honestly, that's what makes the showcase. That's what makes the show good. Skip and Skip and Stephen A., you know? <laughs> like if we if we just agree with each other all day long, every podcast, it's going to be a shitty show. It, I mean, eventually it would be. I mean, you know, you can only watch two people making out for so long before you're just like, that's just gross, get a room. Exactly. <laughs> so what so, are your thoughts? No, but, but real talk, man... Uh, I understand where you're coming from on this. It's it's. I, I don't mind when I see the the undercard guy, the middle card guys winning. Okay, this wasn't Eugenio Kachara, uh, David Pooge, and uh, James Pyatt. Okay, these are these are these are real talk players that that have season seasoned time on their on their careers. Uh, lots of wins, lots of runner ups. Uh, Ustazen is a big, big, big name. 
And I understand what you're saying. You'd love to see a playoff between Neiman, Cam Smith, and DJ. That'd be a, that'd be a, a prime time playoff, would have you. Um, but this is still good golf happening. And when you see a four man playoff, you're seeing competition. I mean, going into the last few holes, I was wondering if we were going to have six men on the six men on there. Uh, some of you guys may have seen my tweet uh, on yeah. the on the broadcast. Massive about, UX for a massive playoff. I asked for a massive playoff. We got a pretty massive playoff. Four is pretty big. I wanted five or six. I was I was like Sergio, please hole out, hole out, Sergio. <laughs> you know. Um, but honestly, dude, I, I'm I'm happy with what we got. We got a great result. We got great golf being played. Um, we still have. Not had, by the way, we still have plenty of parody in live. Uh, another new first time winner. And all four guys in the playoff would have been first time winners. So I'm more than happy with the result. Uh, yeah. And, and honestly, like, you know, sitting back, if, you know, this was live's third or fourth season, you know, it would be great. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the ratings a little bit later on in the show. But ratings wise, you know, they, they, they need to make a big splash. And there was a lot of, concerning things coming out off the course that we'll get to. Um, I don't know if you saw Alan Shipnuck wrote a huge article, a uh, past friend of the podcast about, you know, Liv buckling up their belt on the financial side of things. And I don't know, there's a few things that worry me that, that we'll get to after talking about this, but you know, that playoff, man, it, it started out and it looked like nobody wanted to win it because those first we we saw some pretty yeah, shitty golf yeah. those first few holes uh we did we did um you know it was a if i remember correctly it was a four hole play a three or four hole playoff um it was three holes three holes yeah because yeah. the uh after, first hole after their shots going into uh the third hole you thought it was going to be a four hole playoff but you did danny lee going putter from the rough crazy yeah, and and frankly, I understand what you were saying. In a lot of ways, it did feel it was good golf down the stretch as far as everyone's tightening up, everyone's feeling the pressure. People were getting emotional when you see Charles Howell the third going full full Rory McIlroy in a bunker in a bunker. You know it matters to people. Yeah, you never see that coming out of him. I've never seen Charles Howell in twenty plus years get emotional, take out his frustration, swing a club, smack sand, and he was. Going full Rory McIlroy on number 17 the, out of the bunker. And I got crucified yesterday because I said, wow, this has a I, – I didn't say it feels like the Ryder Cup. I said it has a Ryder Cup ambiance saying that all the teams are sitting around the green watching the four players finish. It, it looked like something you would see at a Ryder Cup. By no means did I make it seem out that, wow, this is as intense as a Ryder Cup. You'd be on crack to think that. But – it had a ride a cup ambiance. It, it was a hey, uh, and and real talk, Diggs. One another reason why I love the playoff situation that happened, dude. We literally had four players from four different teams representing four different nationalities. Yep. Can you get it much better than that? No. Well, unless you had Dustin Johnson, Neiman, Cam Smith, and you know Sergio Garcia. But hey, hey, other than it, that, you know, you could only get so much in life, right? Yeah, you can only. I mean, we, 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 I mean, I understand, but you, you can't ask for much more than what we just got there, dude. I mean, we really can't. I mean, it, it was special. You knew it was emotional. You knew it was special for the guys that were there. The guys who missed out were pissed off. It was awesome for me as a fan viewing it. I was, I was satisfied. Yes, it did feel like it was kind of a question mark of who wants to lose this thing less. <laughs> at times in the playoff and, and, and finishing up the rounds because everyone was just struggling. It was a tough golf course on Sunday. The golf course 
finally struck back on Sunday. It yeah. did feel like the course is playing a little easy. 17 mile per hour wins on Sunday. Yeah. And once you started seeing that happening, the course had some defense again. Yeah. It showed its teeth. And honestly, talking about who wanted to win it, how about Danny Lee after he won the event saying, you know, I figured winning wasn't for me. And, you know, he said that the team competition had has given him confidence in this format because he said when he was out there, he didn't ask where he was. He was asking where the team was. So he said every shot mattered to the team. So that just goes to show you a guy that might have been struggling with the mental game the past eight years when he hasn't won, you know, might give up on a round early or, or late because he's not feeling it. Knowing that three other guys are counting on you, you keep your foot on the gas and look what happened. It turned out to a win for him. And I, I, that's, his interview was perfect. Honesty, honesty. You got to love that. Yeah. I mean, if those of you guys not understanding the team format yet out there, dude, that should have proven it to you more than anything else. Uh, and not only that, but then you had Carlos Ortiz who just saddled up, sacked up, and shot, and shot a six under round on literally the toughest day to play golf on that course. Yeah. He was what, nine strokes out of it when the day yeah, started? Yeah. He was, uh, yeah, because he, uh, yeah, he was not. Richmond was at eleven before the day started. The, the final, so the fi the winning score to get into the playoff was nine. So yeah, he was about, I believe, eight nine, strokes eight out. Eight strokes out. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's that's still just impressive when you're when you're going into a round like that. Yeah, you're thinking, oh, if I go and shoot 62, 63, we're in the game. But you're not actually trying to do. It. I mean, you are, but you're not. You know. And he went for broke. He kept himself together. And not only did he win for his team, his team won the end, won the team event which was huge, but he got himself into position to win individually. And I told, I've been saying this for a while now. He's somebody who will eventually challenge for an event. And this, this he showed up, he did, he did it here. Yeah. I was proud. You said that in the preview show, our first episode. Yeah. And he showed up that the one thing I thought it was going to be Usaisen's event to win. And he just struggled, man. He started on hole one. So he, he played one, the 18 direct, and he had bogeys on 14, 16, 17 before making a nice birdie on 18 to get into the playoff. It was his tournament to lose, and he lost it. Well, it was it was Howell's tournament to lose, and he did. Yeah. I mean, our buddy Charles Howell III, you know, finally made the big mistake. You know, he's been really good his whole career, and but he, he made that big mistake on, the, on number eight, the par three, um, had a six triple bogey. And just went from 12 under, direct two-shot lead, to just all the way back, and then just never recovered fully. Yeah, and then he made bogeys again on 14 and 16, and, you know, parred out, but it wasn't enough to get into the playoff. It, it, at points in that, that, that final round, it definitely looked like it was going to be a five, six-man playoff. Oh, dude, I was, I was sitting there just like, please, come on, give it to me. <laughs> My players completely shit the bed. I had Bryson DeChambeau, who finished the tournament 7-0-over. DeChambeau has been, other than that, that final round on that final round on, at, in Mayakoba, he's been nothing lately on, on live. And, uh, you know, he came, what, 24th and 44th this season. You know, he hasn't really played well. Um, Poulter, he didn't play well as well, even par. And then I also had Casey, and Casey, you know, he, he played decent, 25th minus two. Um, but I did pick the Fireballs to be one of my top three teams, so at least I got to have some solace in that, right? I understand. I, I feel equally bad. I mean, good job in picking at least the right team. 
Um, you know, I picked Stenson. Stenson really struggled. He was in the forties. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He struggled. That's a nice way of putting it. He struggled. Uh, picked Cam Smith. You know, Cam Smith came alive and stayed, stayed level toward the end, but you know, still finished in the mid twenties. I picked Paul Casey. Paul Casey was just, just right there with him. And, you know, I, I, I told you to watch out for David Pooch for being a, a, a wild card. He, he, he poked his head in the leaderboard at times, but he never really got hot. Uh, Patrick Perez, you know, did really well. Steady Eddie on that one. He's, he's been proven to be way steadier this season, and I like that. The four aces tore up the course on Sunday. Just they completely did. They tore came up. alive. I think they were 11 under. So I think part of that ended up being a lot of what this course, we, we didn't, we talked about it a little bit in the preview show of this tournament, but what I think this course ultimately came down to, it was so important to get the right draw of what holes you play and win. Mm-hmm. It was so important because um, your par three, sorry, all your par fives are from are from our seventeen one and five, uh, maybe off by one hole. No, seventeen one and five were the par fives, and those were the only par fives. So if you got unlucky and played starting on hole number eight or so, mm-hmm. you know you played nine whole holes. Or so before you yeah. ever touched a par five. So your motivation, your your stamina, your drive, everything about you is just snake bit at that point. Yeah, Patrick Reed has a, had a pretty good draw. He started at twelve, started mm-hmm. out with the birdie, birdie on fifteen, birdie on the par five seventeen. Then he came with the birdie on seven and a birdie on eleven. So he had five birdies, five under for the round, and uh, he completely you know helped. He went five under. Uline went three under, DJ went three under, you know, a team 11 under, and it took them, they were, I believe they were 12 back, uh, first place, the uh, fireballs were 21 going into, 22 going into the third round, 22 under, and I believe the aces were 10 under, so they were 12 strokes back from the lead, and they come all the way back, those three guys have great rounds, shooting 11 under, team score to grab a second place podium finish. And it's like every single week, week in and week out, you can always count on the four aces to be there. Yeah. I mean, and Dustin Johnson didn't have his putter at all. Um, Now, part of it was he got really unlucky in round one and he did not, I mean, he had zero par five. He had one par five at the, like the first second or hole or whatever. But then again, he was putting horribly and he didn't have a par five for, you know, the next 12 holes uh, or whatever. And the point is, is that this course really, it did matter where you drew your, your starting line at. Because uh, your momentum was, if you didn't, if you got a bad draw, your momentum was off. But another thing I want to talk about, like give Bryson some, some, some space right now, um, people. Um, I wasn't aware of this. I should have been. I don't know why I didn't remember this, but his dad did pass away in uh, November. Oh, okay. So he's, um, Hannah Gregg and Haley Ostrom were on uh, Twitter kind of like, hey, man, like, you know, back off. His dad's passed away this last year. And I forgot about that. I don't know why I have his paced out and forgot that. But yeah, so he's going yeah. through some, and, and he also has the brand new clubs in the bag. So yeah. So, I mean, give him some space. Um, he, the, just the fact that he's playing right now, I'm impressed. Um, if, if, cause let's be real. If you're a professional golfer, there's a pretty high chance that your dad had something special to do with that. Yeah. Um, and so you got to understand this is probably some, this is not like, uh, 
obviously there are absentee fathers out there, but some of the best fathers I've ever heard of are parents of golfers. And I it's a lot fully of time, believe a lot of time you got a lot of time, a lot of time you got to spend with. You know, exactly. Driving on the courses, you know, events, practice, rain sessions. You know, it's a big commitment. It is. And so this is not somebody who, this is somebody who meant, meant a lot. And so I'm giving him a pass for this year. Um, I really am. Um, I hope to see good, good form out of him. And, we, and we've seen splashes of it, but I'm going to give him a pass. Yeah. Well, uh, even, but even looking at the other stars, you know, like I, I just feel like there hasn't, the stars haven't stepped up. You know, Cam Smith. He has one top 10 since he won at Chicago. Brooks this year has a 31st and a 29th. Phil, a 27th and a 32nd. Phil is nine over par in his 27 live rounds. DJ had a slow start, but, you know, give him a pass because he completely tore it up last year and, you know, carried live. But it's like, I don't know, man, these, these stars, are they getting complacent because they have the big money? Or is it because it's only, you know, you only play three rounds a tournament so that's one less than they're normally playing and here we here we're sitting march 20th and they've only played six rounds right normally they probably got 20 under their belts right you know and i i'll agree with you on i think the stars that i would say the stars i mean the captains uh the captains and a couple of select stars seem a little complacent this year um, I know for a fact Carlos Ortiz is not because he's been playing on the Mexican tour and actually won uh, earlier this month on the Mexican tour. Granted, that's an under tour, but at the same time, the point is the guy's competing elsewhere, actively playing elsewhere, you know, getting more rounds in. And yes, uh, Cam did win in, in, uh, on the DP World Tour in Adelaide, mm-hmm. um, his home, his hometown, but you're right. We're just, we're just, we're seeing, Lack, we're seeing lackluster. DJ looks a little out of shape. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but he has a kind of a paunch right now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking like he's had some extra beer, you know, this <laughs> offseason. And hey, good on you. But at the same time, like, I know, I believe we're going to see some, some heart to hearts off the course for some captains yeah. pretty soon. And there was a big meeting, which we'll get to right after we're done covering Tucson. There was a meeting before the, the, the event in Tucson that we'll get to. But, you know, just looking at, you know, the bottom, I don't know, let's, let's go, let's say the bottom 35. And, the, you know, from 35 to 48, you had Poulter, Neiman, Kokrak, Sebastian Munoz, Graham McDowell, Stenson, Westwood, DeChambeau, Pyatt, Swartzel. And then, of course, you got, you know, 48. You should just call him Mr. 48 moving forward, Siwon Kim. God, you know, don't even get me started on that guy. He's playing, <laughs> on, he's playing on a totally different tour than these guys because <laughs> the worst scores were 7 over, 8 over, 9 over, and then he's 19 over. So, I, like, actually, so I actually tweeted it out um, during the tournament. I said, you know, on day one, uh, it only took three holes, but Siwon Kim's already in last place, you know? And the Ironheads came back, and even after Siwon Kim playing – on another planet, they came and they finished in third place and got a podium finish. I just feel so frustrated for that team right now. I know Kevin Na is a great man and like really patient, really calm. I know Danny Lee is just grateful to be where he is. Scott Vincent is a warrior. And, and you're seeing grinding out of those guys. I just, dude, I'm pissed for them that C1, I mean, this is, and this is not something new, okay? This is something that outside of the events overseas, like when they were when they played in Bangkok, 
And when, uh, which I don't count bank, I mean, Bangkok's a event you got to look with a grain of salt because everybody had bowel problems, like indigestion, uh, diarrhea problems. And I'm being serious. I'm being, this is not me being disgusting. I'm being serious. Like when you go to a foreign country that has different cooking oils, you're going to have problems down below. And so when you're playing the whole entire week where you can't, you have to walk with your, you know, cheeks clenched. This is going to be a real problem, and so you got to give him a pass for that week. He did well that week, but everyone else did did poorly. Yeah, and, and then, last year when we had sorry to interrupt you, but last year no, when good. Travis Smythe came on the podcast, he said the same thing. He said that anytime you're playing over in you know Asia or India or what have you, he's like the the difference of the food and the way they cook it. He's like, you know, every time he goes over there, he tries not to eat too much because it just completely runs right through him, and you know that could cause a big issue. It, it does. And, um, you know, so that's an, that's an area where Siwon in Jeddah and in um, Bangkok did well. And that's why he's actually still on the tour because he qualified through the points that he won in that event, those two events. But outside of that, he's been absolute. I mean, he's still a great golfer. We know he's a great golfer because he's even there, right? But he's not competing at all. No, and, and if you look at the the scores for the Ironheads on round one, every every round they took not Vincent's and Lee's score obviously when C one came to Darable. So round one they all went three under. Round two, not four under. Danny Lee four under. Vincent two over. Round three, not even. Danny Lee Vincent two under. So look at that round two. Scott Vincent was two over. You know if you have C one Kim just play even par that day or even get one birdie and go one under they're in second place instead of third place so with the team format you only need to show up one day for your team you know because not everybody's going to be on all three days and he couldn't even do that so i I feel it's very impressive to me that the iron heads came in third place oh absolutely especially in the preview show we were talking about the iron heads being you know, in in last place the whole season long. Well, and, they're handicapped right yeah. now. Yeah, and right now looking at the um, standings, they're in sixth place for the season standings. You got teams like Rip, well, Ripper's tied with them, but High Flyer, the Range Goats. We thought the Range Goats were going to come out firing hot. They only have two points. They're in ninth place, and then you got Smash Cleeks and Majestics with zero points. So, what the Iron Heads are doing is very impressive. I'm I'm really impressed with Kevin Na's return to form. You could tell that Kevin Na really took serious his practice this offseason. Um, he's actually been, been playing a lot better this season than he did last season. Um, he looks healthier. I know he had like a neck brace in um, in Mayakoba, uh, so but he's looking healthier. Uh, Vincent was a warrior last season. Now he's a new person to that team. So he's been fitting in very well. And then Danny Lee has been overperforming. We did not have this high expectation for Danny Lee and he's been overperforming, but this needs to, the C1 Kim thing, man, like obviously he's a good golfer. We know he's a good golfer because he got there, right? He performs well when they're playing, um, in, in, uh, in, uh, Asia and they don't perform at all when he doesn't perform at all anywhere else. And yeah. this needs to get addressed immediately. Um, or the iron heads are just playing handicapped all season. And if it doesn't get addressed, he's gone because there's relegation. So yeah, that's as, at the end of the season. I know. I understand. But you know, I, I don't think they could do anything about it now unless he has a quote unquote injury. Yeah. But everybody has an alternate for their team. I wonder who that alternate is. Maybe it's, um, 
Pong Ch- Chatmai. Is that is that what's his name? Prachara Kongwatmai. Yeah, Kongwatmai. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, uh, or Saddam Kankajana. Honestly, Kankajana is a better player, but they're anybody. They're both, anybody yeah. is better than Kim right now. I hate to say it like that. I really do, but it's the truth, man. Yep. I mean, dude, you, you gotta call it like you see it. I've I've had him listed for the last two seasons now as a. Can you please just break seventy five player? Yeah, and he, I think he did one day. He he, he broke seventy five one day. Yeah, and th- there's but, a few players like that on Live, like Lee Westward. Is can you please break seventy? Like oh God, some some yeah. of these guys, man. That they're you know now. Granted, Lee Westwood is past his prime, but it really worries me. Like. That's why, like, I, I, I'm worried, like, is, you know, like, I'm being a contrarian here, like, is Liv in trouble? Because, like, when you look at the guys, let's say Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, um, Henrik Stenson, like, how many more years do they got left? Three, four? So, so you're talking about, like, you're talking about how there's a, there's a heavy emphasis upon players that are nearing or at the champions tour level yeah well look, look about look at how many of them there are okay now go i'll go through the list right now you got us heisen right well he's like he's in his 30s still oh he is yeah oh I like 38 39 okay charles all the third right 42 okay like 42 43 all right so i'm striking out left and right so let's just so, okay say, so the, the three that i the three that i know i know three the majestics um, all the majestics no uh so uh polter's 46 but uh and Stenson's like 42. I'm saying like four or five years from now, you know? Like okay, yeah. Three, there four, are five. actually five, uh, three 50-year-olds on the roster right now. There's Richard Bland, Phil Mickelson, and Lee Westwood. Yep. You also got Pat Perez, who's up there in age. Yeah, like 45, 46. Yeah, yeah. so like these guys don't have much longer. Like even Bubba Watson, he's what, 42? Uh, yeah, I think so. Early 40s. Yeah, so like, you know, these guys, you know, like, and the way that the PGA Tour has changed up the format, last year, the when when everybody signed on to live, the prize pool was $25 million for the individual events. Now what the PGA Tour has done is all the elevated events are a $20 million purse. The players is a $25 million purse. So the money is getting a lot closer. And because of the way the PGA Tour did it with these elevated events, these players only got to pay, play the 14 times a year, no cut. They're making these players more comfortable. My concern is once these older players like Westwood, Phil, these guys get past their prime, which they already are, and they, they leave, live, where is the new talent coming from? Now, I know you got the Asian Tour. You got guys like that over there. But I honestly think... and. People could crucify me by saying this, but if you're a top 30, 40 player on the PGA Tour right now, if you would leave the PGA Tour to move to live right now, last year, I'm not talking about last year, right now where we stand on March 20th, you need to get your your head examined because I don't think there's any perks right now to move over to live, especially the way they're buckling their belts and they're cutting down on those contracts that, that these players signs. They're not giving out the fat contracts anymore. And, you know, we'll, we'll get to that later, but I just don't see any, any reason why a PGA tour player would want to move on to live right now. What I do, do you think I, I do. There, there is a reason if you're player number 71 at the end of this season, player number 71, now, 71 is, is, not, is most likely not going to be a household name. Yeah. I'm but, talking about like the Cantlays, the Shawflays, you know, like those right. guys. But before you get all, all excited, remember and understand, players like Gary Woodland and Ricky Fowler have finished outside the top 70 the past few years. So there can be some pretty good star power and name power that isn't in their mid-40s. 
that could get left out of the elevated series events. So those are the players that, and, and Ryan Armour actually tweeted this out this past week. Ryan Armour, um, he's actually, he's, he's kind of like James Hahn. He's, he's an advocate with, with, with a brain. You know, there's a lot of players out there that like, there's a lot of rah-rahs, you know, Rory's and Will Zalatoris and Max Homa who, you know, if Jay Monahan had a sandwich, they, they'd lick it for him, you know? Um, guys who are just all about, about the PGA Tour. And I understand, you know, it's, it's their moneymaker, it's their livelihood. But, um, Ryan Armour talked about this. He said, listen, if I'm the guy who gets left out of this, I don't want to be here because I literally will have no opportunity to make the playoffs. And that's the truth. He'd have to basically win all of the events just to make the playoffs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and he, 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 he could move the live, but is Ryan Armour going to move the needle? No, no, but uh, but you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm no, saying I, I, like I, yeah. I'm saying like if the Fowlers and the Woodlands, you know, guys who have the name value, Webb Simpson, guys that have real name value, Matt Kuchar, perhaps that get left off that elevated list that have you know ten more years before they're on Champions Tour, dude. What are you gonna do? I mean, the, if yeah, the money's great if you're on the elevated series, but if you're left out, you're kind of you're kind of pissing in a pot. Yeah. And and looking at those guys too, like you got Woodland has the U.S. Open, Kucha doesn't have any majors, Fowler doesn't have majors, and Fowler's a huge name. He's he, he's a huge household name that will get eyes on there. But you know, I, like looking at the young guys, like the big, you know, Cantlay, Shoffley, Zalatoris, Homa, Rory, Rom, like they have no reason to move. And even like people outside the seventy, like uh, Cameron Young right now. Um, Matt, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Zalatoris, they're within 70 and 100 right now. They're, they still have status through official world golf rankings that even if they don't end up in the top 70, which there's a long season to go, I'm sure they will, you know, they'll still get into the elevated events because of the top. Um, right. You know, and, and it, it goes both ways too, because looking at the Dell match play groups that came out, they're garbage. The groups are garbage. The, the Dell match play is missing star power and, you know, lifts missing star power. So, honestly, what, you know, the, these two tours, you know, like it, both both tours are hurting um, because it's golf is split right now. And Absolutely. You're starting and, and, and to see that. This is you're the same problem that. that we saw last week because we, we see, we saw at the Valspar, at the Copperhead, a tough course. I, I love tough courses, by the way. That's why I had fun watching this tournament because it was a tough course on Sunday. But you watch the Valspar, dude. Spieth is doing Spieth, which, you know, tw- uh, Spieth five years ago, amazing God-tier golfer. Spieth, last two years, it's, it's like watching Greg Norman in the 90s, where it's just, you just, like, oh my gosh, like, he's doing, he does, like, he, he plays good for half a round, then you're just like, what the hell was that? And, and he then, blows up. That's fun or, to watch, though. It's yeah. fun to watch. It's amazing golf. It's amazing content. But you know what I'm saying, right? When that, when, when, when this version of Spieth is literally one hole away from winning on Sunday, that's that's not a good sign. Yeah, because he shouldn't be. I mean, there should be people out there just demolishing him because of just how all over the place he is right now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and Valspar lacked the star power at, at the top of the leaderboard as well. You know? I mean, it had Fleetwood and it had Spieth, but you're right. The, the winner is Taylor Moore. Uh, the second place is, is Schenck. I mean, this is not. This was it was weird. It was weird. Yeah, and it's it's like both both tours. You know, Taylor Moore and Danny Lee. Like, not none of those guys are are you know moving the needle. 
But anyway, it just feels like right now a lot of the big names in in both tours are, are playing just resting right on their laurels. Yeah, and you know it's it's still early on in the season. You know the majors are what three weeks away, four weeks away for the Masters, and you know that's when these guys need to start ramping it up. But they need to start ramping it up soon. You know the live guys they ha- have only have one more event on live unless they go play. You know you know Patrick Reed tried to get into the match play this week. Did you see that? Yeah, and he got denied. Yeah, which, I don't know what he was smoking that he thought he'd be. A, I think he just did it to be a dick because, come on, he's not even in the top six, 64 right now. I think he's like 65th or 66th, which there will yeah. be injuries, you know, but you think they're going to bring, you know, if he was top 10, maybe, but they got the Orlando event March 31st to the 2nd before the Masters. So, you know, Dustin Johnson, Cameron Smith, you know, guys that any other year would be top 10 betting odds to win the Masters. They really need to get their game and gear in Orlando. I will say this, um, and I've been saying this for months now, uh, Cam Smith, great player, best, he's the best recovery player out there. He's got to figure out how to drive the ball. I mean, he is horrible at driving the ball right now. And I'm sorry, I, I obviously, when I say horrible, like obviously he's not, he could, he's better than me, obviously. He's better than you, Diggity. He's better than any of us who listen to this podcast. But in comparison to tour level, he's just awful off the tee right now. And I want to see him fix that because he's going to have no chance at Augusta if he can't fix that. Um, and, you know, we're going to see a more serious Dustin Johnson. I think we're going to see him lose the punch in the next week or two. Um, so don't count him out yet. He, his last two rounds were three under, three under, and three under on Sunday is really six under on regular days. That, that was a tough day. So yeah, honestly, in my eyes, Dustin Johnson could turn it on and he's a top five player in the world. No, no matter how his, oh yeah. his, you know, like he could easily walk into Augusta and win. Um, I expect, and we, we saw Louis Oosthuizen in form, so you know I don't remember off the top of my head if Louis going or not. I think he is because he's still in the in the points uh, spot. Yeah. So from um, his play in the the majors in 2021. Well, and he's just Louis is just consistent. Yeah. All right. He, he's never won a he's yeah. never won the Masters, but I mean, dude's consistent. He made right. the playoff right with Bubba that year. Bubba uh, won. Yes, that one year. Uh, I mean, he's just. But he's just somebody who's always there on the leaderboard on Sunday in the in the majors. Yeah. So understand this. He's he looks sharp and sharp and in Tucson. So don't don't count out just just because the sexy names the Desham- the Deshambos the Cook the Kepkas you know the the, the the DJs Cam Smith Neiman just because they had a rough week don't don't think that like you know there's weakness here there's some strength and it's you got, just and you got to remember too Augusta is a par sixty eight for Bryson right. Uh, I mean, like I said, give him a pass for right. Yeah, I will. I will. That last Bryson joke for the, for the next few months. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to touch on Tucson before we move on? That's pretty much it. I mean, like I said, uh, Ironheads need to figure out C1 Kim. Um, I'm I'm gonna give. I'm gonna start really looking serious at a lot of the captains um, when it comes to Orlando because be the third event. Um, this is kind of the moment where we, where we ask ourselves, Hey man, are, are, what, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Yeah. Now this week coming up this week, we're going to see, uh, Ian Poulter and Heinrich Stenson and a couple others playing in Hong Kong because the winner of that event gets a spot in the British open. 
the oh, Open Championship. Okay. So keep an eye on that. That'll be that. That could give us some information. This is also an international series of events. So um, left points. Tough travel. They're going from Tucson to Hong Kong. Well, I guess you're on the West Coast already, but then they got to come all the way back to Orlando. That's a that's yeah. a tough three week stretch. That that is, um, especially you for know, a and group of forty five older guys. So yeah, I mean they, they they're they're wanting a chance to get into the Open Championship. This is this is kind of one of their few opportunities in. Yeah. So they're um they're they're taking it, and this is also a live international series event. So keep an eye on rising stars out there like Andy Ogletree, um, Kieran Vincent, who I believe is Scott Vincent's brother, and then of course players like Scott Hand um, and several several others. It's gonna be a good event. Okay. So we got that this weekend, the World Golf Championship Dell match play, which I said, man, it's really. Like when you look at these groups, the 16 groups, like once you get to like 13, 14, 15, 16, because they're lower down in the rankings, you start seeing like two stars per group. But like first 10, it's like one star and then just like, you know, not no names, but like, yeah. you know, like a random Joe Schmo that, you know, plays golf every weekend that's not a big fan like us, they'll look at it and be like, who's that? Right. I mean, uh, for instance, JT, JT, Justin Thomas pulled out of this event. He's like, ah, I don't like match play. Yeah. So he's not even playing. So I mean, and I understand what you're saying. Yeah, some uh, guys don't play well with match play. Like, I was looking at the rankings, like, Cantlay and Shawflay, both of them have never made it past the group stage in, in the match play event. Which is weird, because you pair those two together, they're like, you in know. In the Ryder Cup, they're 5-0, yeah. right? Yeah, I know. Crazy. But, um, big news, Alan Shipnuck put out an article. Um, This is a lot to get to, so I'm going to... I, I pretty much put it in my own words, because uh, I don't want to go off of him, but anything I say in the next 5 to 10 minutes is from the Fire Pit Collective, Alan Shipnuck. I'll stop in between to get your opinion on it, but the players had a mandatory meeting. Uh, it was led by Greg Norman and COO Greg Davison. Um, among the topics addressed were the drug testing procedures and a new pace of play policy, which is very similar to the PGA, which the players weren't too happy about. But uh, the biggest news was the evolution of Liv's business model, which had some of the players uneasy. Um, this year, 2023 is year one, 2022 was the beta test. Uh, the original plan was to hold 10 tournaments this season and introduce the fully baked out team component in 2024 as part of a slate of 14 events. But internally, the beta test season of 2022 was judged as a monumental success. So that's why they went to the 14 events. Says one player, some guys thought their contract for this year was for 10 tournaments, not 15. Not 14, but even with the new tournaments, the more tournaments, there's no bump in guaranteed money that they signed on for. And, you know, last year, the players kept the share of the team winnings. You know, Perez won $8 million despite an average finish of 32. But now that money goes back to the team. They heard one guy say, why are we standing on a podium spraying each other with champagne when we don't get the money? So that's a big, you know, last year, man, like, even if you played bad and your team won, you got money. Now that's going to the team. I, I understand that. And I, I kind of like, I know what they're doing. Okay. They're trying to make franchises valuable, right? Yes. This is, this is, this is a sports league, not, um, not a, a tour. Uh, not, not a tour. And, and there is a slight difference in that. Yes. The players get their individual money and they're still getting Buku. They're still getting Buku with better odds than they ever could have gotten the PGA tour. So I'd be happy. I'd be okay with it. And they're still um, the big guarantees. They're the big guys again. Still, yeah, exactly. And and the big thing though is for me, for me, um, I understand what they're doing. Basically, this year, last year, Live Golf itself picked up the tab to travel the players out there to host the players. Right. This year, it's the teams. 
Now, uh, interesting was uh, Alan's article stated that 25% of the team is actually owned by the captains or other key players in the in the team. So, like the Majestics probably split it up, split up eight percent. Yeah, um, three ways. Lives taking seventy five percent, which is kind of yes. crazy to me. I, I thought it would be more close to a fifty fifty split. You know, and it could be fifty fifty for like you know the Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson. Okay, like yeah, know, this 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 is not a blanket statement article, but so like. Obviously, do you hand over $200 million to Phil Nicholson or do you give him uh, $50 million and a 75% equity in his team? Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's, what I, that's what I'm guessing. And if you notice, Phil Nicholson's team has significantly different vibes on social media. Oh, yeah. They, got a, so, they have a top-notch social media staff because they yes. are co- consistently putting out clips and top five shots of the week. And they, they have the best – them and the Majestic so far I've seen have the best social media presence, but right. high flyers are far better than the others. So, so when you when you see that, when you see that kind of difference, I think that's where you can tell that there is a different percentage stake of ownership. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like when you see Bubba Watson really going hardcore, but you see Martin Keimer looks just kind of generic, like Liv made it. Kevin Nas looks kind of generic, like mm-hmm. Liv itself made it. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you can tell which captains, which owners are really laying into it. Brooks Kepka, you could you, you could tell that guy never even interacts on social media whatsoever. Bryson DeChambeau, his crushers looks decent, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like certain teams, it's obvious the captains have more at stake. Yeah. What I'm trying to say. And there's already three teams that have been locked down to corporate sponsorship deals. Um, mm-hmm. Details yeah. haven't been announced, but the, they're waiting for the logos and the messaging to get finalized. But Shipnuck says that keep an eye on the sleeves of the players' polos to get you know, an idea on who signed with who. No, that's um, true. Because you saw it this even even this week. Uh, the Fireballs had a corporate sponsor on their right hand lapel, like mm-hmm. right hand sleeve, um, and then they also had a sponsor on their hat that was different than anything else. Um, Stinger GC had Ping on the side of their hat. Now I don't know if that was specific for Louis Ustazen or for Stinger itself because it was on the side of their of Louis's hat. I didn't check the other guys' hats. Mm-hmm. And obviously you right. got guys like Cam Smith that still have his sponsors from last year. You know, like he has right. to wait for those sponsors. Those those are probably lucrative deals. He has to wait for those to run out before he goes full ripper. You know. Yeah, and but you're right. You are seeing team sponsorships, which I love. That that's. That's how you know it's catching on. Yeah, and that's what that's what you want uh, in the future. You know, like you want you know these teams to have individual you know identities. And but on the financial side, they're saying every expense that these teams are putting out is getting doubled and triple checked. And they said, you know, look, just look at a few things. Last year, the musical acts were Diplo, Jason Derulo, Nelly, Chainsmokers. Uh, this year, it was like a no-name DJ. And then last year, remember they uh, um, the Live the head of the public investment fund. Um, his name is Yasir Al Ramamayan. I probably botched that. I apologize, but he's the governor of the Saudi Arabian public investment fund. He chartered the 747 jet from players from Portland to the Irish Open. And if you remember the social media post, everybody was drinking, partying, playing music. He got mad that it looked like it was a flying frat party and no, no chartered jets this year. Even the media room. Last year, they had hot buffets. This year, they have cold sandwiches and, and cookies and chips. So, they're definitely tightening the belt, man. And last year, they even covered the caddies, the players travel, the entourage travel. This year, no more. Uh, you can't blame them for that. Um, they went a little above and beyond. They probably, I mean, 
They had to, though. They had to. They have to create hype. They have to create unity. Because remember, they're creating something out of nothing, right? So that first that first season, again, it was a test run. You have to treat these players well because they're taking a crud load of crap, right? Mm-hmm. And, they, and they did. They had to eat some crud sandwiches. Yeah, I mean, Graham McDowell was talking about that. He was talking about how he was just having a hard time playing because he was just having so many crud sandwiches thrown his way. And so I understand why they had that at first. I understand completely why they tightened the belts. Um, and obviously, hey, if the four aces are making a, a buku load of money, congrats, then they're probably going to take Jets as a team. Yeah. Um, you're probably going to see the Majestics doing stuff like these that. These players have money. They could do it themselves. It's just that, you know, Liv was foot in the bill last year. And right. now they're not. But, and all, like some of the guys, like, you know, DJ's going to be fine. Phil's going to be fine. You know, these big name players are going to be fine. But you got to wonder if some of these players are like, you know what? This is kind of not what I signed up for. And might, you know, like you heard the rumors that Brooks was looking to go back to the PGA or was thinking about it. So uh, I just feel like it's not all, everything is not perfect in live land as as was more perfect last year. You know what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying. But remember, it's the teams that foot the bill. So yeah. it's not, it's not, hey, we're screwing up. C1, I need you to flirt, fork over 80K. Um, no, it's it's the team that's that's footing the bill for this. So yeah. it's not C1 pay, paying for his travel. It's the Ironheads GC paying for the travel. And honestly, and, that could get to a point of contention when, like, you're looking at C1 Kim, like, hey, man, you're you're fucking us. We're not winning. Yeah. <laughs> We're not, you know, because, like, all you need to do is come in second and third once or twice, and you pretty much foot the bill right there for the year. You know, if, if you're a team like the Cliques, when you're, you're you know, never sniffing the podium and then it starts coming out of your pocket now live did offer the players um they gave each franchise a line of credit to help cover the expenses um travel costs social media staffers team managers branding experts and financial advisors so you know live is helping out like they don't want the players to take their money out of their pocket so they're offering these players the captains a line of credit you know pay for everything with that this year and then once you start making money you could pay us back so that's nice, um, but you know it's a little bit different than it was last year. And Cam right. Smith said, "I think we need to go harder with the team thing. I would be in favor of giving more of the purse to teams. Um, the captains have a discussion every couple of weeks. It's a cool thing that the players, our voices, are heard. And Liv is considering reallocating the weekly purses so that the team competition is worth way more than it is now." And well, they also talked about reallocating it to where it was teams one through five that actually won money. Yeah, so that's that's cool too. Um, I think that was voted down at the last meeting, but they'll have another meeting every few weeks. So yeah, and th- they're trying to make you know golf into a, a team sport. And you know, as each week passes by, that the you know, I just I think that they things are getting lost between the individual and the team aspect. And I you know personally, I agree with Cam Smith. I think they need to really you know step into the team aspect of it because that's different than anything the pga tour is doing the dp world tour is doing the asian tour is doing so like if you're putting out where it's you know strictly team first you know that's a different game of golf and a different entertainment value than these other tours and i think they should really lean into that i mean i think they're doing about as good as they can without completely ruining the individual aspect of yeah it. So I mean, I don't want them to ruin, to remove the individual aspects. Yeah, they'll never. they'll never do that. Yeah, but I know what you're saying. And they, if you noticed, they took one of our one of our snippets we talked about last last week or two weeks ago about how they could improve the team value. They actually listened and did this. 
Um, they permanently had affixed to the bottom left-hand corner the team leaderboard. So they had the top. They had the they had the roving leaderboard pylon for oh, yeah. the players through seventy five percent of the screen, and then they had the team leaderboard through twenty five percent of the screen on the left hand side. Yeah, they they have been they have been changing the broadcast every week, and and like the live line. I don't remember that uh, in my call, but do you? That was that was brand new, and it was it was it was it was good. It was be- it was much better than their attempts to do um, um, shot tracer because yeah. they don't have they don't. I don't know what what's going on, but they they, they need to stop the shot tracer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their shot tracer is not great. But uh, the live but line was, was was, and they also had the uh, scoring worm. As scoring worm was it. pretty cool. That's um, new too, right? Yeah, scoring worm, yeah. live line. The one thing that they they still haven't done that I really wish they need to do the par five, the par five tracker. Yeah. yeah. If they had like a par five tracker brought to you by Easy Post or whatever, or whoever sponsors it, I, that I would love that because that's a big one. Yeah. That makes all the difference, and I know we talk about par fives a lot, but you got to look at par fives as a, as a birdie hole. Yep. But so, yeah, so all in all, you know, so far this year, I, I think things have been going good. Um, I wouldn't say it's great. I would give it a solid B uh, so far, but, you know, I, I think they need to tighten some of these things up because, you know, like, like the ratings that went down, which I'm surprised. They were a .2 week one. Um, week two, they're they're now a point fourteen. Now I know that doesn't count the streaming and this and that, but you know, those are the TV ratings. You know, like if you want to go head to head against the PGA Tour, you're going to use the rating system. So you I know, mean, the yes, ratings but, have I been mean, pretty yes, bad. But at the same time, again, I, I I don't look at that. I really don't. Uh, just there was big crowds out there. I will give them that. Yeah, they had they had good crowds. It was sold out. And for those of you out there who uh, who are Chirpers who go, well, that crowd wasn't very big. Uh, not every golf course can can actually support fifty thousand fans. No, I mean uh, most golf courses at best can support maybe two to three thousand, and that's stretching it for most courses. It's very tough to safely accommodate a lot of people without ruining the golf course or making it just unsafe with with in terms of players. It's already pretty unsafe because fans get hit all the time. We saw Jordan Spieth have a ball that he was going to hit in the water two weeks ago. On the PGA Tour. Hit the guy's knee, right? Yeah. Knocked a guy's knee out, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's already pretty unsafe as, as it is. And there, but and there's golf is really tough to shove a lot of fans on there. You need big properties like like Bethpage over here in New York where I live, Bethpage Black. There's yeah. four other Bethpage courses. So well, you that's have what, makes, you that's have what makes hosting a golf tournament so tough is because yeah. there's only so many courses that actually have facilities to have a lot of fans out there. And when they say sold out, it means sold out. And that's pretty awesome. I was excited to see that. Yeah. It really was. You'll get big crowds in Orlando because it's Florida anytime. And, you know, like you get people going on vacation, like, oh, let's check out the golf. Um, and, you know, obviously the Adelaide event, that's going to be insane. Dude, I'm excited to see how crazy that is. We're going to see, I bet you we see a streaker, at least one streaker. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, I think that they need to, you know, these international events, I, I think things will, will pick up. And I'm hoping that the ratings will pick up too, because, you know, like as much as the guys probably, and you know, Liv's going to spin it, they're going to come out and say X amount of people watched on streaming and, you know, the app, this, that, and the other thing, because, you know, they're going to, you know, protect, well, I mean, protect dude, their like, interests. You, you, and I, you and I watch it on stream. We don't watch it on I cable. watch it on CW, honestly, because oh, especially oh, yeah. this weekend when like the March Madness is on. So like, you know, I go back and forth, but like, you know, on Fridays, obviously I watch the streaming and, and, you know, other time and. You know, honestly, the way I, I do it is I stream the CW app on my TV because the Live Golf can't be. I don't. I was having issues getting the Live Golf Plus on my TV. You know, the internet browser on the TV. 
I got you. But, you know, I, I like the CW because I could flip through other stuff. You know, I could watch Yankee Spring Training, you know, like I could go back and forth. Like I'm not someone to sit there like the last hour or two of the golf event. I'll sit there and watch the whole thing. But, you know, I'm watching, you know, 15 minutes, go on to the basketball for 10 minutes, 15 back. That, that's Diggsy over here just blinking. Wow. Yeah. Don't blink, but Diggsy, don't blink. <laughs> I am blinking. Yeah. But anyway. No, it's okay. But uh, yeah, so I hope the ratings go up. So like I said, I give it a B. Uh, the next event will be in Orlando, March 31st, the April 2nd. And uh, we'll be back that week before to give you our preview. And before, you, before we go off on yeah. this, man, I got to ask. You say, a B, you say a B, right? Mm-hmm. If Charles Howell had won, would you have rated it lower? I I I, I don't. I think I, I might have been the same, maybe like a C plus. But like I, you know, like I I I I would have given them a B plus if you know the playoff was. I, I would have given them an A if the playoff was DJ. Honestly, like I'm looking at it as I'm a golf fan, and I understand the way you're looking at it too. You're you're a huge golf fan. Like you just love golf. But I'm looking at it as a different lens, like as an outsider, like what's going to get those people that are talking shit about live or like on the border, like, should I put this on or should I not? Like, what's going to get them to turn on live? And what's going to get them to turn on live is seeing Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith battle it to, to the end, not Danny Lee and Brendan Steele. That's not going to get those guys that are like, I'm never going to watch live, but you know, if, if you week in week out, you're seeing a rivalry brewing between DJ and Cam, they might flip the channel. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm. That's how I'm looking at it. You know, like it was great golf, the playoff, but I'm t- looking at it on a business business aspect side of things, and what's going to get more viewers in. I got you, and I understand what you're talking about. I just wanted to ask that question right before we signed off because you know I was wondering myself, like if Howell had won, and you know two weeks in a row Howell won. Um, and you know, blah, 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 you know, is it, is, is it going the right direction? Is it still just as good? Yeah. I, I like the playoff. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for Orlando, but Orlando's where we, where we need to see some guys really sober up. Yeah. Some guys need to step up and even the team aspect, like both events, the teams have been runaways, you know, like we need to get some, you know, you know, like we need the teams to battle down the stretch. Like, you know, the, the past two events, the teams have been. So ahead, and there hasn't been any excitement down the stretch except fighting for like second or third, you know. I got you, and hopefully that does happen. Yeah, um, you know, I I think it, I, we're gonna see it happen at some point. I mean, we it was very if it wasn't for Carlos Ortiz shooting lights out on Sunday, we do get that. Okay, yeah. we do get the jostling, but you you can't you can't predict when the one guy on the on the right team has the lights out round. I know. And all I'm trying to do is when you're on Twitter and you're looking at the live golf community, everybody that is a live golf fan is rah, rah, rah. PGA tour sucks. Live is the best. You know, like everybody's super, super positive. I'm a, a big live golf fan, but you know what? I'm going to start, you know, like, oh, what if this isn't working? What, you know, like we need somebody to bring us back to earth a little bit. Like, don't you agree? Well, I mean, you know, I'm already on cloud nine over here. So, yeah, no, no, I'm kidding. I understand completely. I understand completely. And you're right. I, I um, We've seen a lot of the key players not show You don't have up. to agree with me. Like, that, no, no. You, I mean, you know what I'm you're, saying? You're, like, t- you're telling the truth here. I mean, uh, certain, certain key players for an outsider looking in, like if you're trying to figure out like what's going to make, what's going to make, 
what's going to move happen. the needle? You know, what's going to turn that point fourteen to a you know point? Well, 8, I'll tell you what's going to move the needle is if a live player wins the Masters. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. So and they show so, up in the majors. So I guarantee you, the Saudi investment fund is going to have like some shotguns to some players' heads. Like, hey, get out there <laughs> and practice. Like, it, I need you practicing, Cam Smith, every imagine, day. Pun. Imagine Cam Smith wins the Masters. What that event in Adelaide's going to—it's already going to be huge. Oh my but gosh! Masters Please. champion Cam Smith teeing off in Adelaide, and with the time difference, like the time difference might screw it up a little bit. But then again, it's also what. So that would be—it'd be prime time over here. Dude, I'm just gonna say right now though, like, like one o'clock yeah. in the morning over here. They they they'd start the they have to start the round at like eight a.m. over there, so it's prime time over here, right? Yeah, but I'm telling you right now, you're gonna see. Uh, yeah, Liv is putting their fest their, their foot forward and saying like, "Hey, got the because they have like they have like twelve guys that are be, be playing in the Masters, and they need those twelve. They need one of them to win." And if one of them wins, that's so huge. And it doesn't matter which one. It could literally be Charles Schwartzel. And But a live player wins the Masters, that's going to be a, a needle mover. I don't think anything inside of live can really move the needle at this point. I really don't. 140, I, 140 golfers usually at the Masters, 144 about, right? I No, the, the Masters does have the smallest of all of the fields. Um, I think it's about 80 to 90. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's like the top 60 in the world and all past champions that are, you know, asked to still play. Right, so, so let's, like, let's call it 100. That's Okay. That's and a couple kilometers. So, yeah, it's close to 100 because that's there's like- 8% chance that a live guy wins. Pretty much. I mean, because there's, there's a- Because like I said, there's a couple kilometers, which the amateurs never really have a chance. Um, there's a couple- There's past guys, champions. Yeah. So, guys like Trevor Immelman, who's been in the broadcast booth- Freddie uh, guys, guys like um, Fred Couples, who still plays Bernard Longer. Of course, I would never root against Bernard Longer because that guy, if he really just wanted to, I'm pretty sure he could win. So but, we'll call it a ten percent chance. So ten percent chance. That's yeah. a good chance to win. Yeah. So if that happens, if a live golfer wins, uh, that moves the needle. But as far as inside the bubble of live, they it's what it is. They're yeah. not going to move the needle inside live. No. I agree. But uh, yeah, so that does it. Episode four is in the books. Uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends because our ratings are going down too. So we need you to help boost them up. We had a, a great episode one, a good episode two. Episode three was eh. So let's get the ball back moving up. Jake, anything else? Um, love you guys. Hugs and everything else. Just please, um, let's have some fun this next few weeks. I, I'm excited to hear from you guys. Please uh, hit us up on Twitter. We want to talk. Yeah. It's fun for us to talk to you guys. Yep. We'll have a big Q&A before the Orlando event, and we will be doing a Masters preview event as, as well. Yay. All right. Later, Jake. Peace out.